0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. It is a great honor once again to welcome back to our show, beloved guest, Trends Forecaster. He's a visionary. You go to his blog every day, Martin Armstrong. You can go to Martin's site, armstrongeconomics.com. Martin, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you
1: for inviting me.
0: Thank you. First off, before we begin, we just want to bring to your attention that Martin is hosting the 2022 World Economic Conference. That's going to be in Orlando. It's going to be on November 11th, 12th, and 13th. And the WC provides a rare glimpse into our financial futures. And it is the alternative to Davos. So this is one of the most heavily attended places to go to. And a lot of people call this the event of the year. You can learn more about it by going to armstrongeconomics.com and help you attend Well, Martin, I think this is pretty interesting because you and I are just two guys having a conversation right now, back and forth. But if we probably went into the mindsets of the people who are running things, they're planning a thermonuclear war. At least it seems like it. From your perspective, from what Socrates is saying, how close are we to a nuclear war? Is this something that is just all talk and just something designed to constrain and break Russia?
1: Actually, I think unfortunately, I mean, in the 40 years career I've had of dealing with with governments, I've never seen a crop of of world politicians as incompetent Mm -hmm. as we have today. Um, We have a problem with the people, particularly in the Biden administration, They ascribe to a theory, no matter how much they want to deny it, of regime change. And it it goes back to the idea, gee, if you had eliminated Hitler, you would have eliminated World War II. And that's very simplistic, uh, very nice. However, there were other people right behind him as well. And in this case, that theory is highly dangerous. Uh, We had Biden come out and said, oh, you know, oh, for God's sakes, we got to get rid of Putin or whatever. Uh, And then the White House immediately came out, oh, we're not calling for regime change. But then that's really what they've been doing all along. So then they just had Zelensky stand up and say, well, we'll engage in in peace talks when you overthrow Putin. Uh, These people have no clue at all about what is going on here. you had the head of Chetney come out telling Putin, you know, you should nuke uh, Ukraine, and you know Putin came out and said we need a balanced approach. Putin is the moderate, despite all the propaganda. <clears throat> when <clears throat> Yeltsin was in power, the oligarchs were blackmailing him to take over uh, in July '99, and then you had the hardline communists filed an impeachment motion trying to remove him so they could establish the USSR. Uh, <clears throat> and Yeltsin turned to Putin because he wasn't an oligarch and he wasn't a communist. He stood in the middle. I have all the documents from uh, the Clinton administration basically going over the whole thing. Everybody said, gee, nobody ever knew you know, who Putin was. He wasn't a member of any party um and <clears throat> so this nonsense that putin is really the madman is totally absurd you know if you remove him the the hardliners are going to grab control it's not going to be you know the you know oh gee you know they, they always come up with these theories and they use it in the middle east that yeah, we iraq. Just take iraq you know libya you know um they tried to with Syria, that if we just eliminate the leader, like they're going to get a ticker tape parade and that people will rejoice and say thank you. It just has never, ever once happened like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you took out Saddam Hussein and we ended up with ISIS. I mean, um, yeah. he was all right, fine. Yes, he was a strong man, but he was also the guy that kept, uh, the religious zealots in, in check once you removed him then they took power and, and it's the same thing you're going to see uh you know God help us if Putin you know is overthrown because i'm telling you the the hardline communists are there and just as you saw from Chetnya saying oh you should just be nuking it uh, ukraine you know th- the hardliners are the ones criticizing Putin, that he is too soft; um, he should have been more authoritative with Ukraine. And when you look at military strategy, <clears throat> when we went into Iraq, the first thing you do is you take out the power grid, you take out the communications, and then you go after the water supply. You're basically like in the in the Middle Ages, you know staging a siege around a castle. You know, he cut off everything. And Putin has done none of that. He didn't take out the power grid. They still got communications. Zelensky's all over the world. um, And they still got the water. So the, the communists are saying he's been too soft, that he should have gone in and just taken that out. But Putin was trying to show that he only was there to to take the, you know, to protect the Donbass. You know, he was telling the truth. He was not trying to conquer all of Ukraine. If he did, he he did a very bad job of doing it. Uh, But, um, and you, people don't understand that the Russian empire of the czars went right up to the, to the river that divides Ukraine. And, khrushchev who started the the whole uh cuban missile crisis that's where he grew up in the dumb box. he was in charge of of kiev after world war ii to rebuild it then he became the head of, of russia okay they finally removed him because uh he was like basically nuts really he, you know for creating this 62 Cuban Missile Crisis. He was changing borders of not just Ukraine, but also other places. And so they removed him. Uh, next came Brezhnev, also grew up and born there in the Donbass. Um, and you take Stalin, Stalin was born in, in Georgia. So you, you have in, actually in Moscow, uh, Academics the debate. Well, who's really Russian? You know, it's um, <laughs> there's not <laughs> not everybody's been actually Russian, other than maybe Lenin.
0: No, they it's, it's, it, just seems like they're they're pushing for that nuclear uh, war. I mean, I, it, it's reckless. And we had a gentleman named Gary Heathen on our show uh, a couple weeks ago. Martin, and he was saying, like he said, these, these leaders, they seem like they're really stupid. But the reality is that, he, according to him, he said, this is part of their evil plan. This is part of the Great Reset. And they're utilizing the utilizing stupidity is a way of you know pushing this through. I, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I seem like there's a lot of stupidity. But like, why, even if you were going to take over the world, even if you were part of, you know, saying let's push this Great Reset. Don't you want to have the world intact? Like, why would you even take a chance of risking a nuclear conflict? And you have this Italian prime minister that came out, and I think everyone was pretty happy. Like, oh, God. You know, she's uh, somebody who seems like she's for the people. And then within a day of her being elected, first thing she says is, oh, we fully support Ukraine. And it's like, isn't that exactly the the reason why it's aggravating all the uh, Russia right now? If Ukraine is fully initiated into NATO, does that necessarily, does that start a nuclear war right away? Pretty much.
1: Yes. Um, You can also look, this has been entirely provoked. Um, You can Google it, uh, the Daily Wire, the day before um, Putin invaded on the 24th. On the 23rd, Zelensky stood up and said, uh, Ukraine's going to seek nuclear weapons. All right. The whole, you know, the Minsk Agreement was brokered by Germany and France. And after 2014, and the revolutionary in, in Ukraine, what happened was that Donbass was also wanted separation from the Ukrainians. Uh, they went in and, and you can <clears throat> look at it. You know, they basically massacred any Russian speaking um, people there in Odessa. They set them on fire and burnt them alive. Yes. Um, look, I know people <clears throat> from both sides, uh, from Donetsk as well as from Kiev. And uh, one girl the workforce for from, from Kiev, very nice, very, you know, <clears throat> a passive person, et cetera, certainly not a warmonger. And when I asked her, I said, why doesn't you just give up the dumb boss? I mean, there are Russians that live there anyhow. And her response was typically the propaganda that they get is that, oh, if we did that, then they would want the whole country. Uh, so it's we're at an impasse here, and, and there's been so much propaganda. And I fear that the U.S. thinks <clears throat> that um, they can just take over Russia. Um, you know, they, they blew up the pipeline. I think that's pretty much
0: yeah, it's pretty established obvious.
1: at this point. Um, there is another think tank that <clears throat> has been advising them um, that I saw actually told them they should also take out the pipelines that go through Turkey. Um, it's, there's one that goes through the sea there called uh, uh, the Southern Street. And, and this is like a medieval attack on Russia. It's to cut off all possible uh, income to them. And they think then Russia will just simply collapse. But 50% of Russia's GDP is energy. So this also ties in with the Great Reset and the whole thing about you know uh, climate change and all this nonsense. Uh, but they actually think they can take out uh, Russia, then turn to China and they can do this one at a time, and it's not going to work. Uh, North Korea just shot a missile off over over Tokyo, and they blared sirens and everybody ran. I mean, it just showed that it wasn't shot down. They could take out Japan. Yeah, um, and people have to understand that what the bombs that were at Hiroshima, uh, what we have today. Uh, they're just a tenth of what is there. A tactical nuclear weapon is bigger than that. Uh, one missile, just one hundred megaton uh, missile, that got would get through to England, wipes out the entire island.
0: she's Then does Socrates see anything? Do you see uh, does Socrates say anything in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four about something like this happening? Because there's uh, a it's showing sort of...
1: more of a <clears throat> a global war probably from 24 to 27 period.
0: Okay.
1: But uh, it does not look, you know, nice and peaceful between here and there either. Um, I'm very concerned more about what's happening in uh, probably in January of 23. 23, the Socrates is just, it's showing um <clears throat> I mean, if you look at our raise that it puts out, it, it puts all the, the time. It 2023 looks like the like the Empire State Building compared to all the others. Jeez. Uh, so it, it, we're going to see um, a combination of civil unrest as well as geopolitical problems. And um, the Biden administration is just it's. It's completely insane. That's all I could say. I mean, these people are the greatest threat to world peace, and they think that they're, they can accomplish this and get to the climate change. You know, uh, you know there's not going to be a climate left to, to worry about. You
0: know? Well, I'm going to come back to one of the next questions is uh, climate change because you have in uh, what appears to only be a communist state of California that governor, not only did he Push a bill that prevented doctors from speaking in their own mind about what how patients should be treated. They have to follow the state protocol now, or the medical license can be stripped. But he also pushed a several green energy initiatives. Where if you look at some of the other states, like they're going to ban uh, gas cars by 2030, they're doing it in New York. And I'm wondering, is that something that is going to uh, escalate throughout the U.S. And if so. What is it? Uh, what do you see that happening? Are there any states you think you're going to resist that? Because it just seems like it's a total disaster. I mean, my particular state, they're pushing for this green energy. I'm like, well, you know, green energy is not comparable to fossil fuels, and there's a 2009 film, Martin, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called Collapse, and it featured a gentleman named Michael Rupert, and he was talking about the possibility that the world was going to run out of oil, my understanding is that that's not going to happen, but he talked about how dependent the world was on oil, and once you get rid of that, you have nothing else to fall back on, and green energy cannot even compare, so just coming back to the question, do you think that that green energy um, psychosis is going to spread throughout the United States, uh, and do you think that there are other states that are going to completely resist it?
1: Well, there there definitely will be states that, that do resist it. Um, hopefully, Florida will be one of them. <laughs> but um, I mean, all the, the real independent studies show the power grid it would not it would not handle this. It would have to be at least ten times, you know, larger. Um, then you also have to understand. I mean, they just entered a bill to impose uh, digital IDs on all Americans. Uh, All that sounds very nice. However, just as I said in what you do in war, the first thing you do is you take out the power grid. Second, you go after communications and third, you go after the water. This is standard military practice, all right? We did this to Iraq. This is how we, we go in the countries this time you're talking about if you take out the power grid and we only have digital currency and your car only works on a, on a what do we have? People will no. starve. I mean, you can basically take down the entire country this way. Uh, it, it's insane. I, I you know. Uh, are they, are
0: they going to pull it off? Cause it seems like in Germany right now, they, they're, they, what is it? Their utility the bills are up by 2000% in Europe. they they're, they're buying they're gathering firewood and looking for firewood online because they know what's coming so i i just wonder if that's going to come here if we're going to face it in the us and if we're going to uh, capitulate to that
1: overall. move south that's all i can tell you but
0: <laughs> um, so then say it's
1: you know uh, maybe we just swap places all the mexicans can come up here across the border and we go down uh <laughs> and say okay that's a fair trade you know
0: yeah um, hey, they, they're willing to work. I mean, they don't get, get, get people in Mexico credit at least they're willing to work. A lot of people oh, in the yeah. US don't. They, the they don't want to are, work.
1: The Mexicans are the strongest uh, work ethic and family values than than certainly a lot of other countries. Um, but it, it, I think it's it, it's just it's in, totally insane. I mean. It, I don't know if they're just living a fantasy life there in Washington or, or or what, but they they only listen to things they want to hear, and so when you do research in that manner, it's not it's not research; it's propaganda.
0: Okay, uh, I agree with you. It's it's a little crazy. As somebody who you know studies the market, I believe one of your quotes you've talked about before that you can gauge a lot of world events based on economic activity, based on where people are following the money. And just from your perspective, where do you think uh, people will look to invest and where do you see economic activity going in the next five years? And based on that assessment, where do you think the world's going to tr- change? Do you think that is there a specifically a huge okay. demand for clean energy? Is there a demand for um, a return to traditional values in the sense where you have localized production? Like where do you see a lot of economic activity moving to.
1: Well, this is why the dollar is going up. I mean, you've had all these people out there, like the gold bugs, and saying, "Oh, the dollar is going to crash," and you know, it's been exactly the opposite. They they don't understand um, history or capital flows. <laughs> even the United States was bankrupt in 1896. It was World War I and World War II that sent all the money from Europe here. When there's tanks running down the street, blowing up buildings, are you gonna leave your money there in a bank? Um, They put it on every boat and plane they could possibly get it over here. So at the end of World War II, we had 76% of the world gold reserves. That's why the US dollar became the reserve currency. All right. And we were bankrupt in 1896. So you're, you're talking basically about 50 years. Uh, we went from nothing to the world leader. And I see basically this is why the dollar has been going up and people don't understand this yet. But, um, I mean, we have offices around the world. And I can tell you that clients outside the United States are in a state of panic, Um Asia, you know, I ended up with four phone calls already this morning from because of uh, the missile going over Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Um, You go to Europe and it's it's the same thing. People are fleeing. You're seeing a lot of people fleeing to South America um, from Germany in particular. And um, they've just had it. They don't see any hope here. All their leaders are are equally insane it's just nuts um but the backdrop to this and why uh klaus schwab is is what he's been doing and and his slogan you'll own nothing and be happy what that really is is that they've been the governments have been borrowing since world war ii every year They've, with zero intention of ever paying anything back. Um, They run a deficit, we just borrow. Another deficit, we just borrow. Um, And so that system is coming to an end. And that's really more what this is about. And, And they do kind of need war. And their idea is that the war is the excuse for another debt default as took place in 1931. I mean, you can buy their bonds, uh, you know, uh, Europe defaulted, South America defaulted, and and even China defaulted. Uh, So uh, you can buy their bonds on eBay, they look very nice if you frame them up, you know, uh, very authoritarian, but, um, so 1931 just was a major sovereign debt crisis. And, they started over after that. And now this is what they're expecting to do this time. That if they can just create some sort of war and think it, it, it can be contained, all right, it's conventional, um, then that will be the excuse to default again. And they know they need some sort of an excuse because if they defaulted on, on the bonds, uh, basically all your pension funds in Europe are mandated by law, they have to have 70%, some up to 90% of government bonds. So you're wiping out everybody's pensions. You, you'll have millions of people down there with their pitchforks and, and torches of fire heading towards, towards the parliament. You know, they know that. They, they, so they're not stupid in that sense. Um, but I think they're courting, they're trying to get some sort of a war so they can pull that off. And then their idea is to go to some sort of digital currency uh, with a, this one world government that Soros is pushing as well.
0: I think Jim Rickards was talking about that too. He was talking about the digital dollar and stuff like that. To yeah, to I mean,
1: <clears throat> um, their view, and, and like I said, I've been dealing with governments for 40 years. There are no mirrors in any government. They look at it as we're always the problem they wouldn't have a deficit if we paid really what we, what we owed. And their view is you, you find a $10 bill in the parking lot. Where's our $5? You cheated us. You know, that that's their view. Um, If you look at the current tax code, look at it carefully. If you sell, you got a bike you pay $200 for, it. you put it on eBay, you're going to sell it for a hundred. They want income tax off that hundred. Uh, this is why they needed eighty-seven thousand uh, agents. There are only six hundred and sixty-four billionaires in the United States. Why you need eighty-seven thousand agents armed? is because they're going after all this stuff. If you sell, you know, an old bedroom set, hey, where's, you know, you've already paid taxes on the money to buy that to begin with, mm-hmm. but now you convert that to money and then want taxes again.
0: Is this part of the, the civil unrest that you see in 2023, and 2024, as far as Socrates goes? Because um, I wonder if that's going to be a big part of it at this point, because people are going to be seeing this on a regular basis. I wonder if that's going to finally provoke people.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I mean, I know somebody was just audited. Uh, they demanded, the uh, state demanded all his records, basically, to see if he paid sales tax when he bought something from Amazon.
0: Jeez, that's insane. It's it's just getting more and more uh, uh, tyrannical, and I just am surprised at how long people are able to hold this up. That they're not willing to, to push back, especially in, in Germany and these other European countries that are basically being decimated and they're they're not being allowed to live. You know, I want to uh, bring to everyone's attention that. Aside, so when you go to armstrongeconomics.com, I highly recommend going through Martin's archives and reading the historical articles. I think your your a lot of your archive blogs are very fascinating. And one of the articles I came across was about a book called 1777 BC, The Collapse of Society. And in there, you stated that there's about eight civilizations that collapsed, the exception of post-Egypt, uh, which is uh, 1250 BC. And the one thing you you pointed out that was all in common was that there was a major shift in climate that led to droughts or widespread famine, which collapsed uh, civilizations. We recently have had on our program, Martin, a gentleman named Dane Wigington. He's the founder of the Geoengineering Watch, and he says that we have about less than two years before we experience a planetary catastrophe as a direct result of geoengineering and um, solar radiation management of programs. Um, based on that prediction, do you see, or does Socrates see, any major uh, d- economic disaster or uh, societal collapse in the next five years eerily similar to that, which would involve a planetary collapse of the ecosystem?
1: Well, I would say that we're going to see the, the collapse of governments as we know them. All right, but that's after 2032. All right, so uh, republics are Historically, the worst form of government you can get, because they're susceptible to corruption. Um, somebody can go down there and just bribe some uh, congressman. Say, "Here, I'll give you this, and you do this, or whatever." Um, I mean, even John McCain was was caught, you know, basically voting on things for sex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it it's that's just the way it is. All right, a. a I'm more in favor of a real democracy where, where the people basically would vote. And we certainly could do that. If we can buy from Amazon online, why can't we vote? All right. Um, but they stick up these, these uh, like a tax bills and stuff like that. I was in Australia and they always lie. They, they said, oh, we're gonna put in the luxury tax. And the slogan was that they were going to tax their Ferraris, their fur coats, and their French wine. Everybody cheered. You know, I saw maybe three Ferraris in Sydney because they were already 100% taxed to get in anyhow. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only place I ever saw fur coats was down in Melbourne where it was cold enough to to wear. And nobody ever gave me any French wine. It was always Australian. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, But everybody cheered, yeah, go get them. Well, what was in it? All electrical products. You bought a radio, uh, a phone, a refrigerator. Suddenly, that was a luxury tax. You know, um, so I mean, this is the way it is. You know, they, you know, they they called it like the Clean Water Act, and everything under the sun is in there. Uh, it's got nothing to do with water. Uh, it's <clears throat> That's why I'm, I'm more in favor of a direct democracy that each bill has to be for what it actually is and you can't stick these amendments on them that nobody's going to look at. Um, but I would say society, you know, we're, we're going to end up with a completely different form of government after 2032 because uh, what is happening now is just uh, insane. Um, you know, <clears throat> Biden's supposedly won 51.3% of the vote. <clears throat> so even assuming that's true, 1.3% is not a mandate to, to basically screw the other 50%. Um, yeah. But this is what politics has become. It, it's so adversarial. It, it's insane. There are, You know, civilization forms because it's collectively everybody benefits by coming together. And when you do this, it it is what Plato warned about democracy, that the majority then get to oppress the, the minority. And that's why Plato and Socrates were actually against democracy.
0: Um, So James Madison and Adam Hamilton and John Adams were all against democracy too.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it, but they were, they read basically the propaganda of fake news of Cicero from from back then. And um, uh, it was Cicero and Cato that were actually the um, optimists who were really the, you know, like the oligarchs basically. Um, But... That's another. That's another story. But I, I think you have th- this real problem, a- and um, you know you can't run a country and simply say, "Okay, I got fifty-one point three percent, so now let's screw everybody that, that voted against us." Uh, that's not the. Mo- that's that is not the way civilization is supposed to function. Uh, I think that anything you do. Of this nature should require a two-thirds vote. Period. Um, not uh, why should require a 2
0: vote? I I, I don't understand why why anyone can have to would have to do anything without their consent. Um, and I'm just wondering, from your perspective, what is the in all the governments that you've explored in all the periods of history that you've explored, what is the best period of time and best representative or government types of government that truly represented the rights of the individual.
1: The best form of government I ever saw Mm. was that of Genoa. Okay. Now, um, the head of state, it was run by all the top rich families. However, um, the doge, or like their president, was for one year. And it would rotate around the families. So Consequently, they would never uh, enact something that was then going to apply to them the very next year. And it was run more like a corporation, whereas Genoa versus Florence versus Venice, rather than, you know, oh, let's get this group within our own you know, borders and attack them. And, and it, you know, it, it was run more as a competitive corporation against other, other cities, um, and the fact that it, it rotated so was actually a very good idea because nobody's going to put in some law that's going to apply to them the very next year. That's why career politicians are so dangerous because it never applies to them. Um, and, and you get a lot of people that put out, uh, they just argue with labels you know, calling like Trump fascist, uh, you know, do you even understand what a fascist is? No, a fascist, they no,
0: they have no idea what a fascist is. No,
1: they don't. It's fascist is the government controls all, all the corporations. I don't think Trump was was yeah. going to hand all his companies to the government. Um, but they throw out these labels and it's saying, oh, yeah, he's this. I mean, it, you know, do you even understand what the heck? heck no, are they have no it? idea
0: what it is. They, they, they're just throwing out things. It, it's very Orwellian. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: I, they I, started immediately calling the, the new prime minister of, of Italy. Oh, she's really fascist. I mean, yeah. I mean, just complete nuts. Um, but, you know, she'd have to seize all the private companies and then they control it and then they will be dictated. I mean, not going to happen.
0: Uh, I just wonder why um, you mentioned 2032. I've always wondered why it's going to take that long for things to happen when, you know, information ideas can be shared relatively quickly. And people can get mobilized relatively quickly. So I wonder why will it take till 2032 for something like this happens? And just um, it's another question on top of that is 2032 happens. Do you see a massive decentralization where we're going to have certain individual towns and uh, counties within states, U.S. states or countries that decide to govern themselves in a particular way that do not wish to have any outside interference that are like militarily equipped to protect themselves?
1: Yes. I mean, look, that's how Rome fell. Okay, um, and we will follow the same path. Once the central government um, really lost the ability to control and protect the people, then it starts separating. So Rome actually, you know, broke apart, uh, and it was the Gallic Empire, which was uh, basically France, and uh, Spain was part of it for a brief period, and Britain. And in the East, you had uh, Zenobia, which they make a, the Queen Zenobia, who they make a lot of videos of for like a, a, a <clears throat> I don't know, superhero or something. But she basically broke off and took like Syria um, all the way over to Egypt. Uh, so <clears throat> you will, we will see that here. And, and what the Biden administration has done is basically. Uh, Polarize the country. Uh, so <clears throat> you see the South like Texas uh, and <clears throat> Florida and is against the North. It's, it's the same thing. Although, you know, they like to, to project that the uh, Civil War was all about slavery. That's not true. It was more or less you know, about states' rights. Uh, the only people who really could afford the slaves were the rich, right? So why did all these guys uh, join the army and and fight? Were they fighting for the rich? No, uh, they were basically fighting because they didn't want to be told what to do from Washington, uh, and that was the battle going back between Jefferson uh, and Adams and and uh, <clears throat> I mean even. You have that was the, the compromise that, uh, that Jefferson said, okay, fine, he would agree, but he wanted the capital removed from New York, and then they created Washington, D.C. The same thing, it should straddle the South versus the North and not just be the North. Um, so, you know, there's always been this regional resentment, uh, and that was a deal cut because Alexander Hamilton wanted to create a national debt and Jefferson was against it. So the, the compromise was the capital moved and, all right, I'll let you have a debt, but it has to be paid off. And um, <laughs> he did pay it off in, in, by 1820. And then there was a brief period where the U S didn't have any national debt and they started up again.
0: Um, well, they but, could be around today.
1: <laughs> yeah. it is. So this battle between, the North and the South has always existed uh, and it's been more on states' rights. Uh, That's what Jefferson, um, Patrick Henry was all about. It was not to be dictated to from a central power as the king would. So that uh, states' rights, we still hear about it you know, once in a while, but that is why you'll see probably the U.S. split Uh, because, you know, you have these draconian rules and when people begin to see what, why they needed 87,000 IRS agents because they're coming to see what you sold on eBay um, and what you bought from Amazon, (laughs) um, you know, it's going to, people are going to start seeing they've been lied to again.
0: I can see DeSantis moving away right away. I mean, you, you have a that governor DeSantis. He seems like he's, the, I would say, Florida probably the first state that would do something like this. It seems like that the people are completely behind it.
1: He's, um, I would say, yeah, uh, I would have a little bit more faith in him. He seems to mm-hmm. be on point from that. Um, I had, you know, the the political. Side in Washington, trying to get me back into advising them again, and I I said, "Look, I don't want to really get involved." They actually asked me if I would go meet with Trump to talk him out of running in twenty four, and would I then? uh, They wanted me to go meet DeSantis, which I did. I flew over to go meet him, and and um, they wanted me to advise DeSantis, and they said, "Oh, well, he will make a better administrator," and. I told him, I said, I don't want to get involved. I said, because if DeSantis goes to Washington, you people are going to eat him for lunch the same as you did to Trump. Um, Trump's biggest problem was um, he really didn't know Washington as well as he thought he did. And uh, I used to go around and Meet people who wanted to run for president. I was part of the vetting process, so I go meet, you know, like Ross Perot and and the head of uh, the governor of Oklahoma and things of this nature. And I was asked uh, to go to Texas to meet George Bush Jr. And I was told, "Oh, this one's different." I said, "What's different?" "Uh, "Oh, he's really stupid." And I said, "What?" Yeah, you have to understand all the years before it was like, do you think he's smart enough to handle, you know, handle this? And then all of a sudden we went from that to "Well, this one's really stupid. <laughs> <clears throat> and I asked, I said, why would you make somebody stupid? This is completely opposite of what we were all about to begin with. And they said, well, he's got the name. And so they picked, um, Cheney, they picked everybody to put around it. I was actually asked if I would work in the White House and take chief economic advisor. And I said, No, I'm sorry, I'm not giving up my company for two years over here. I'm not doing it. Uh, And so that's what happened when Trump went. They picked the cabinet. They said, Oh, you don't really know to get confidence. We need people with experience. They put, you know, blanked in everybody in, and what they do, they every one of them stabbed them in the back. Yeah. Um, and that's the way they control things. The people that are there are the are the bureaucrats Ooh. that never leave. All right. So, um, you know, that's the that's the problem. They're, they're not elected. Uh, they're just effectively, you know, junior dictators. Um, and right. I mean, you look at your Secretary of State over there. Um, he's not the brightest guy, you know, involved in the, the boxes. They say um, they blew up the pipeline on yeah. Monday. On <clears throat> on Friday, he said, "Oh, this is an extraordinary opportunity, you know, um, to cut off Russia's, you know, you know, energy." I mean, this is what. They do. And, you know, when Biden came out and said, oh, for God's sakes, we got to get rid of this guy. Then the White House the next day comes out. Oh, well, no, we're not actually supporting regime change when they are. And you have Zelensky stand up and saying, I'm not going to negotiate until you get rid of Putin. It's all about regime change.
0: I just think that they're pushing with this thing. It's so hard, and I feel awful because I, I personally don't have a problem with anyone in Russia. I don't have a problem with anyone else throughout the world. I can be. I want to be friends with anyone. But it, the people that are behind the scenes, that are uh, powers who shouldn't be there, they're pushing us to these horrible disasters. And for what? For for what purpose? So they can push this great reset. It's just awful. But um, it's just it's sick.
1: <clears throat> Schwab's idea is Schwab is a communist, and he's an academic. Okay, so and the problem with an academic is they have no real world experience and they just sit around, they drink in their port in a nice five star hotel lobby. And oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yes, we should do that. I agree. They're they're armchair generals, you know, and uh, they have no problem. Oh, yeah, we should go over there and wipe out uh, Russia. Well, Why don't you go over, pick up a gun and get in the front line? Yeah, you do (laughs) it. You know, Uh, They want somebody else's son. And and I will say this uh, about Trump. I went to go, um, I was invited down to Mar-a-Lago for a dinner there. Uh, This, I think, was in March 2020. And it was the first time I ever heard a head of state ever talk about the people who die on the battlefield. He said he wanted to take the troops out of Afghanistan, and he said he was tired of writing letters to people to say, oh, your son died as a hero for his country, blah, 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 whatever. And he said, what are we fighting for? You know, they've been fighting over borders for a thousand years. What difference are we going to make? And I have met so many heads of state. Never have I ever heard anybody once be remorseful for the people that die in battle
0: that's we're just
1: we're just pawns to them and you know on a chessboard that's it um oh yeah put a couple pawns out sacrifice them so i get the bishop you know i mean that's basically what what this is about and they are people who play with our lives They've never had any real world experience, and it's all just academics.
0: Yeah, well, I hope they get their consequences one day. I wonder. That, I really hope that Socrates, if it, if Socrates has a report that says there's going to be Nuremberg no too, the where these people actually, you know, face the consequences of their actions. Because, well, it's,
1: it's, it's, you know, something. they they uh, they only do the research that they that supports their idea. All right, and that's the problem. Marxism succeeded only because Russia was the last to to get rid of serfdom in the 1860s. All right, they got rid of serfdom when we had our civil war and ended slavery. So, the people a a serf is different than a slave. You know, a slave you could sell that individual you know, back and forth to somebody else. Serfdom, you were tied to the land. So if you sold the farm, all, that included the serfs, that they were the workforce. Um, so you couldn't take uh, one individual serf and sell him. So that's the difference between the two systems. So when serfdom ended, these people owned nothing. Okay. So Marxism at least sounded applicable at that. Let's go get the rich. They have everything. Yeah, 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 let's go. So it was a different situation. Today, you have Schwab, who's still Marxist. Oh, you'll be happy. All right. No, you will not.
0: you will be very so upset was, when you have nothing.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't understand. Today you have a home, you have a car, you have a job, you're gonna give all that up and to say, okay, fine, standing line, okay, uh then we got an opening here for a broom sweeper. Here, here's your broom, go over there. That's what communism wants. Yeah, it's a critical. Um,
0: I just understand. That's what it really comes down to. Uh, a gentleman I um, talked to, his name is Larkin Rose. He says that there's no reason a human being should have any authority over another person. I mean, if you live your life, don't harm another people. I just don't understand why we just can't live by that. But powers that shouldn't be one allows to happen? Uh. I
1: don't know. I think uh, I've come to the conclusion that um, there's something that happens when these people get too much money. And People like Gates and, and Soros, et cetera. Um, people have no concept what a billion dollars really is. You cannot spend it. All right. So you see some of these, you know, fancy houses and a yacht, $150 million for a yacht. All right, you can buy a yacht, three of these houses, you still haven't spent a billion. All right. So when you're talking about five, $6 billion that some of these people are worth, they could never spend it. It can't even be, you know, you can't even leave it to your children. They couldn't spend it. All right. So what do you do with it? It's power. You cross a certain quantity of money and it goes from wealth to power. What can I do with it? All right. Um, So that's why you see somebody like Soros where, oh, well, I'll use my money to make a a one-world government. You know, know, they come up with these crazy things or or Bill Gates with his, uh, you know,
0: digital passports. Oh, and he wants to modify the corn too. He's doing these creepy corn commercials that are probably going to have the vaccine in them or something.
1: It's, you know, they get this kind of money and and they just i think they go insane actually uh um because you, you can't spend it and, and then people just look at it oh they just want to get more money it's not my, that sense okay it's not like oh gee i'll go buy another color tv uh i mean this is is power at that stage yeah. and what can i do to screw up the world but they think they're saving it
0: well, the elites are screwing up the world, but uh, Martin Armstrong is providing a wonderful advice on how to protect the world and protect yourself. Martin, I wanna thank you so much for being with us today. Get you a little more about, more about Martin by going to his website at armstrongeconomics.com. And a friendly reminder that the 2022 World Economic Conference is gonna take place in Orlando for November 11th, 12th, and 13th. You can go to armstrongeconomics.com, sign up for it. A lot of people are saying it is the event you do not wanna miss. Martin will be there. You'll be in the midst of a lot of other great people who are very forward thinking when it comes to economics and you'll probably learn a lot. So Martin, thank you again so much for being with us and for sharing your time, wisdom, and uh, hope for humanity.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me.
0: Love and beer. Take care and thank you so much for listening.